0: You are now listening to Gridiron with your host, the zoo, and R.S. Welcome to Gridiron You and a big what it do. And we out here on a Money Monday with your boy Big Zuop, Zucha Hendrix, beard That one man that just be styling, profiling so damn hard. It broke your heart a little bit and you ain't even seen me. Oh man, you know what it is. I'm Ed R. Zoomin. and we out here, like I said, on a Money Monday after a solid, solid week seven of college football and... Well, I just want to dive on into that action. I mean, straight up, first off, LSU. LSU is for real. They showed me exactly what I thought they would. Florida, on the other hand, showed me a remarkable amount of talent on their side of the football. And I would not be shocked if that Florida team is able to beat Georgia and find their way on into that SEC championship game. And maybe, maybe... Get a rematch of this incredible game we had at Death Valley. Which, I mean, you look at it. Greenard, Zuniga, they both got hurt in this game. They were both out for a remarkable amount of time for that team to stay in it. As close as it was. So it makes me wonder, man. This Florida team with both of those guys. Healthy for the whole game. On a neutral site. I wonder if maybe they could pull this off. But that's a conversation for another day. And we we got a... We got to put that up on the shelf for now because LSU did win that game and they proved to everybody, everybody, that them, Joe Burrow, Ed Ogeron, they're for real, man. And that defense, they answered some questions too. They definitely answered some questions. I mean, I still have a lot more that I need to see from them. That Alabama game will definitely show me a lot more and that's coming up in a couple weeks. But for right now, LSU is right up there with Bama and Ohio State, in my opinion, for the best team in the country right now. Oklahoma, big win for Oklahoma over Texas. I'm not willing to say that it is of the same quality that the LSU win over Florida was, but it firmly puts Oklahoma as the number one team in the Big 12 right now and definitely puts them in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship game. And I mean, hey. They got some tough tests down the road, too. I think their toughest game the rest of the way is going to be at Baylor in a couple weeks because that Baylor team, that's a serious squad, and they're going to be looking for an upset at that time. They're going to be licking their chops at an opportunity to beat what could be an undefeated Oklahoma team coming into their house in Waco. Uh, And finally, just one last little hit on last week. Incredible, incredible job by Penn State to pull that game out. I mean, they put themselves right in the thick of things in the Big Ten championship picture. Could you argue that? I don't think you can. These guys are definitely better than Michigan right now. Uh, they're, de- they're probably not at Ohio State's level, but they might be at Wisconsin's level. Uh, at least offensively. And I didn't expect that from Penn State coming into this season. I thought they'd have a good year. You know, probably get themselves eight or nine wins. Definitely did not see this type of a performance coming out of the Nittany Lions in 2019. So I got to tip my hat to James Franklin. This is showing off his prowess as a head coach. So we'll see if he can uh, finish the job and keep him going. Maybe get him to 11-1. and one, Maybe get him into that Big Ten championship game. We're going to have to watch and see. But this week answered a lot of questions about the haves and the have-nots in college football. And showed us who's a contender and who's not going to be there at the end of the year and we're going to get that we're going to get to that at the end of the show here who is still in it and who is out of the college football playoff race because we're midway through the season. We got a, we got mid we got mid-season awards to give out here, boys and ladies. <laughs> it's time to get down to the get down because before we get all of that, we got to hit the news first and boy, is there some news this week. I want to start off with something a little a couple of positive stories. Before we hit into, of course, some uh, devastating injury news for certain teams. But first off, we have Nebraska and Illinois announcing that they're going to be participating in the Aer kickoff series that will be in Dublin for the second time in 2021. Now, the first game is going to be played next year between Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin. And this is part of a five-game set, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we get another teams announced for 2022 soon. But for right now, 2021, that's looking like a game over there. I am not sure if that's going to be a Big Ten conference game or not. We'll we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, I couldn't imagine it will be, but of course, you know who knows with these sorts of things. Uh, but that's really cool. I I really uh, I really like college football doing this, getting these types of partnerships set up where the players can go overseas to different countries just to explore the culture you know because they're there for a little while and this is this is their only time where they could really do anything you know athletes are held to a higher standard than regular students in college and that's a fact no matter how you look at it they're they're considered public figures meanwhile a student isn't considered necessarily a public figure you know what i mean like as a student you can go and you can Go on a travel abroad or a study abroad, where you go to say uh, Australia or Europe for an entire, entire semester. You can go wherever you want in the world, as long as your school offers the program there. You know, as an athlete, you have a scholarship, which you have basically because you play a sport, and that sport just because you know, say you're a football player, just because football only happens in a fall semester, that doesn't mean that you're clear to do whatever you want in the spring. In the spring, you have mandatory workouts, you have training days, you have training camp, you have spring games. So, if you go and you travel abroad in the spring, you're not able to do all that stuff. And you're going to probably lose your scholarship. So, this is a great job by the, by the college football to get this going on. And a good job by these two schools to get their teams there. I'd like to see a couple more of these games going forward. Maybe you could put one, I don't know, somewhere in... Uh, over in Asia, maybe in Japan. I know they used to play bowl games over in Japan and Tokyo. Maybe you could get a game, I don't know, down in South America, maybe in Brazil. Uh, you could possibly put a game in Africa, maybe even put a game somewhere else in Europe, you know. So we'll see what happens with this going forward. I really enjoy that idea. In Nebraska and Illinois, that's their game in 2021 to kick off the season. And, of course, like I said, there are going to be five games in that series. We already know two of them. So three more will be coming out over the next couple of years. And I'm interested to see maybe hopefully we get the West Virginia Mountaineers over there because I know, I know for a fact that the Irish people over there, they love themselves some country roads. So maybe we'll see, uh, we'll see the Mountaineers get over there so I can take my booty on over there as an alumni and watch that game. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So two a tongue of I lower this weekend, though. And I know I talked about everything that happened this weekend, but that was more of a team perspective. Tua needs his own little uh, moment here because this man broke the Alabama record for touchdown passes in in a career. Not in a season, in a career. And, I mean, damn, bro. This guy's got 80-plus touchdowns already. He's only played for two full seasons. And while yeah, he did have 11 touchdown passes his freshman year, which is incredible. He only played a couple games that year. He's been the starter for two years. He's already got over 80 touchdowns. You gotta, you gotta be a really great quarterback to do that. And Alabama has had some of the best of all time go through there. So for two to be number one at this point in a program that's so storied, so historic, has so many championships. It, that's a, it's an impressive job by them. And we go from Tua to another SEC quarterback, though, and he's a freshman, and he got the job starting the year. And that's Ron Helensky, and he had that what looked bad knee injury on Saturday versus Georgia and that upset win that South Carolina had to turn up the entire college football world. Everybody was. I was sitting back. I was like, "Okay, George. Uh, you know, George ain't gonna blow this game." By the end of this game, this isn't gonna happen. And the whole second half it was seventeen to ten, and I was like, "This is insane!" And for them to come out and do what they did in OT, I just applause, applause to South Carolina on that one, because they, uh, Lord knows, they could have gave up in that game, and they did not. But Helensky went out with a knee injury, and it appears it's not as bad as it looked, you know. He's supposedly probable to play on Saturday. So that is great news if you're a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. You'll have Ryan back next week to get it going for the rest of the year and continue building on what has already been a great season for him and a great season for that South Carolina team. So that is some good news right there. But bad news comes for the Oregon Ducks in the form of their superstar tight end, Jacob Breland. And Jacob, I mean, it just sucks for the kid. He's got a left leg injury. He's going to be out for the season. Uh, Now, Oregon hasn't really brought anything else out to the public at this point in time on the injury. I mean, obviously, if it becomes one of those things where he has surgery or I don't know, something else to do with it. They might bring that up, but this is a tough break for a team that already lost another one of their top two tight ends this season. Now they're left with their third and fourth string tight ends who have in total caught about four passes, which I will give them credit for, two of which were for touchdowns. So who knows? I mean, maybe they're they're pretty solid out there. Maybe they end up taking this role. And running with it, and I mean, we've seen crazier, crazier things in college football and sports in general than when a person gets hurt for other people to step up. But Breland was one of the best tight ends in the country, arguably an All-American for the first half of the season, and an Oregon team that has dealt with a lot of injuries this year gets dealt another one. And I mean, this Oregon team, when it starts looking like things are turning up for them, As you look at the top 10 starting to dissolve a little bit, start to get those losses, and you see Oregon continue to win and continue to win and continue to win, this is a major blow for that team and that offense. But we'll see how they respond. They can always respond better than the way we think they will. (sighs) This one pains me a lot because we're jumping from Oregon, who is a title contender, to Virginia, who could have been a title contender for the ACC this year. But now it looks like that's all, for all intents and purposes, their season is not going to end that way. Uh, Cornerback and elite draft prospect Bryce Hall, he went down on Friday with what was one of the most gruesome injuries you could could see to an ankle. Um, He has had surgery to repair that ankle, and he is going to miss the rest of the season, obviously. And he will probably have time missed, going into that NFL season as and and, the, and ugh, into the NFL draft as well. That's how you know we don't edit this show. We keep everything for real. Keep 100 with you guys <laughs> when I have those little mess-ups in there. But Bryce Hall, man, this guy's a superstar at cornerback. He's a guaranteed first-round pick. He's a guy that's going to slip now, and that's, that's very unfortunate for him. And this, I mean, man, this is a tough injury to come back from. If you're not ready for it, hopefully, Bryce, you know, man, we're sending you the prayers. We're sending you the best wishes from us at Gridiron. You, you know, your boy Big Zuwop here. Uh, Just hoping you get the best, man, because I want to see you on that NFL field next year. I want to see you making big-time plays, and I want to see you dynamic once again. And most importantly, I want to see you healthy, and that's always the most important thing. So sending our wishes over to Bryce Hall. We got to send our wishes over to the Texas Longhorns once again as they lose some more members of their secondary. They already have Jalen Green, Caden Stern, and Josh Thompson gone for significant time so far this year. You can now add starter safety Chris Brown to that list. He fractured his forearm on Saturday versus Oklahoma. He's had surgery, he's going to be gone for six weeks. That's a tough break for the kid. That's a really tough break for a Texas team that you already look at that secondary. And like I said, there's three starters already injured. Here's your fourth one. So you're looking at an entirely second string defense for Texas up in the back. Um, I mean, they played great on Saturday, but you can't continue to expect that when your best players are gone that's not always the best thing to happen for your team and your program going forward especially when there's so many young guys getting hurt and having such severe injuries too so we wish Chris Brown the best of you know best wishes over to him get better soon brother beat that 6 week deadline get back out there for the boys uh and this season really is it's a real disappointment for Texas in my opinion i mean i get it you know, losing to Oklahoma, that is what it is. It's it's one of those games where it can go either way. But losing to LSU as well, now losing to Oklahoma, you have two losses on the season, a big twelve loss already. You gotta go to Baylor and play. I believe they go to Iowa State to play as well. These are, this is just a situation where you look at this team and it's it looks like it could fall apart real quick for them. And just like last year ended up having an eight and four, nine and three year, that's For a Texas team that said they were back last year, don't look like you're back. Uh, Unfortunately, you might need another season. I've said that word a couple times, unfortunately, because it really is. College football is at its best. When you have Texas doing great, when you have USC doing great, which USC hasn't been good in a long time. I mean, Darnold gave him a year or two in there, but still. When you have all these great teams and you have Alabama good, you have Georgia good. You have, you know, LSU pumping. You have Ohio State going, Wisconsin, Penn State. You have all the blue bloods going, Oklahoma. But Texas and USC just can't get it right. And we, I hope they get it right soon because we about to go through these midseason awards. Not a damn one is going to a player on either of those teams. And that's a shame. That's a real shame because I thought that. Sam Ellinger would be 100% right in the thick of things for at least a Heisman Trophy award this year. You know, if not the national championship. And it looks like neither of those are probable or possible for him through four games of the season. But on to bigger and better things, like I said, today is a Money Monday. And you know what that means we made some money this weekend, baby. We went 3-2 and two this week. Uh, brings our total up to 19-18, and 18, which isn't the best. Uh, through 37 picks. Um, but, you know, we out here. We, we still cooking. Got to hop on this wagon while it's getting hot. And we getting hot right now. This is about that time where we start. We start rolling out those championship picks. You know what I'm saying? And one of those things that I looked at this weekend. Was that Alabama Texas AM game? And I took AM. And I I thought that hundred percent at home AM would be able to cover that. Boy was I wrong. Boy was I wrong. I mean, yes, it did only uh they did only get beat by one and a half points on the spread, but Alabama was completely in control of that game from the end of the first half on. Um Tua, like I said, is a beast, one of the Best players in Alabama history, and he, and the wide receiving core. I can't take away from those boys. Those are some legitimate NFL dudes. Rugs, Judy, and beyond. They are just. Whew, I can't. There are no words to describe how good they are. But this offense is able to make up for what the defense lacks this year, and the defense lacks experience. This is very similar to the Clemson team last year where the defense was insanely good. You have so many top three-round picks playing on that defense, and the offense is very, very young. You know, Travis Etienne is one of your elder statement on the offense, and he's a junior. You know, and nothing not to say a junior is not an upperclassman, but Travis Etienne didn't have – you know, the type of publicity that maybe some other running backs that were coming into offenses had that were national contenders last season, like a Josh Jacobs. You know, ETN wasn't a guaranteed to be a top three-round pick, and by the end of the year, he played himself into that category. Showed us exactly why he is Zach Clemson. But that defense was able to step up for that offense last year, and Tua is doing the exact same thing for Alabama right now, only on the offensive side of the ball. So... I got to give the man credit. I got to give Alabama credit. Um, this is an incredible season what they're putting together so far, and now they will start to get into a little bit of a tougher part of their schedule. I know you can say that A&M game was pretty tough, but it looks like A&M is falling off the side of a cliff right now. Looks like Jimbo doesn't really know what is going on out there, but we'll see. You know, you got to give the guy four years, Got a full recruiting class in. Um, so, But right now, bro, Alabama keeps impressing me week to week. And I, I just, I don't get it. I didn't get it coming in. I thought they could get left out of the playoffs this year. But I was big time wrong. And it looks like Clemson might be that team that might get left out. Because, like I said, all the Blue Bloods are turning up this season. And the ACC, nobody is playing well there. So Clemson's going to have to go and defeat it and win their championship in the ACC for the one time if they want to get in to the college football playoff this year. Meanwhile, a team like Bama is showing us that they're balling out on every single team out here. They're able to play with everybody. And I wouldn't be shocked if even if they lost and didn't make the SEC championship game, that they would still be in the college football playoff. But that's only speculation right now. We're going to have to see what happens when they start playing LSU and Auburn come the end of the season. And now, that was my lame excuse for a drum roll, but here we go to the midseason awards for college football. And these are mostly uh, accurate awards. I mean, some of them might be not under the right name, but <laughs> you'll get the vibe. And first one I want to give out is Blitnikoff. This is the nation's best wide receiver. And I don't think it's close right now, I got Omar Bayless at Arkansas State, and a lot of you are going, who the heck is Omar Bayless right now in Arkansas State? What the heck? What? You got Arkansas State receiver up there. Yeah, Omar is a great player. He was great last season as well, and he was in the conversation for a little bit. But right now he is going off. He's got 44 catches for 843 yards and 10 touchdowns. We only six games into the year. That's what he's got. So, Say they were only to play 12, he'd have over 1,600 yards, close to almost 1,700 yards, and 20 touchdowns. Count that, 20. That's pretty incredible. Man's playing himself into uh, Sundays as we speak, so it's going to be fun to watch him continue over the year. But if there was one guy that I could say could come close to him by the end of the year, it's that dude over at Oklahoma State, and that's Tylen Wallace, because he gets that rock so often and for so many big plays that I could see him being able to challenge there. But for the Bolitnikov right now, that's Omar Bayless' award to lose, and I don't think he will. Freshman of the year. And I would have never, never picked this man for freshman of the year. If you asked me at the beginning of the season, there wouldn't have been a shot in hell I would have went for this guy. But I'm going with Sam Howell at UNC quarterback. And he's got 1,544 yards, 15 touchdowns, 3 picks, 63% completion. And, and, he's led UNC to some really, really big-time upsets over Miami and almost, almost pulled out a huge monumental upset against Clemson that we talk about that Georgia upset blowing up the college football world. Clemson losing to UNC would have destroyed the college football world if that would have happened. And they were one play away, a two-point conversion away. Unfortunately, didn't work out for the guys, but it was left in Howell's hand, and that shows you exactly how good this kid is. So I think the rest of the season, he continues to prove how good of a quarterback he is for UNC, how good of a quarterback he is on the national level. And I mean, yeah, I thought about it. I thought about Hank Brockmeyer here. I gave a little bit of consideration to Ryan Helensky. Um, Didn't really think very much about Bo Nix, and there were a few defensive guys that came to my mind. But if there's one player that I think can make a huge leap in this second half and has already begun— to make that leap, and I know a lot of y'all probably don't watch his games very much because it's on the West Coast, but that's Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive lineman for the Oregon Ducks. And he was number one one of the number one recruits this year, number one at his position. I think this kid is dynamic. He's incredible. He's starting to understand the college game better than he did when he came in. So that's a good thing. And he's starting to get what he needs to do to make to create havoc in the Pac-12. I think by the end of the season, we're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau as maybe the, the freshman player of the year, and I know maybe I should have uh, split this award into two, but I decided, you know what, we're going with one freshman of the year, and for right now, it's Sam Howell. And I think I've even seen that he's competing for a little bit of a all-ACC Team member, and that's a hell of a job for a freshman quarterback in that league. So, <laughs> heads off to Howell, but keep your eyes open for Kevon Thibodeau because that man its a bad man. <laughs> Doke Walker, do I even need to say who's getting the Doke Walker award? Y'all already know, right? You guys already know, right? It's the greatest running back in the history of college football, Jonathan Taylor. And this is one that I went with Jonathan Taylor, and there is a big time argument to be made for another running back. And I'll get to that in a minute. But Jonathan Taylor is rushing for over five yards of carry right now. He's on pace to have over two thousand yards total. He's caught four touchdowns. He's caught four touchdowns and gone for over a hundred yards in receiving this season already, which is something he had not done in his freshman or sophomore year. And he currently has 834 yards, 25 yards, I'm sorry, and 14 touchdowns on the ground. So this kid is for, for real. He's as good as it gets. He's the only running back in the history of college football to rush for over 1,900 yards in both his freshman and sophomore season. He is the only one to do that. I stress that because you think of every running back that's great ever, has played in college football. Every single great running back has played college football. Not a single one has done that until Jonathan Taylor. Not a single one. And I know you'll make the argument, oh, well, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, guys didn't play until they were juniors or seniors. All right, whatever. They still didn't do that. They still didn't put up 1,900 yards. They still didn't play like Jonathan Taylor has played in consecutive years. And maybe, just maybe, he hits that 1900 plateau once again and gets it to three straight seasons, which I don't think will ever, ever get touched in college football history ever again, especially with the way this game is going and trending towards more of what LSU is doing with that spread pro-style offense. And, um, you know... uh, I make the point with LSU because LSU is almost synonymous with just pounding the ball and playing good defense. And this year, they're playing insane offense where they're just slinging the ball all over the field. So, Jonathan Taylor has to be the Doak Walker this year. Although, and now I said, there is a case to be made for somebody else. That somebody else is Chuba Hubbard. And that's because he's just going off. And in the same way that Tylen Wallace is for Oklahoma State Chuba Hubbard, he gets every single yard rushing. This kid falls forward, so he's going to get extra yards. He's over 1,000 yards already for this season alone. I mean, yeah, if he ends up hitting that 2,000 plateau and going way over it, I mean, sheesh, you can't, you can't take the award away from that guy. Not unless Jonathan Taylor wins the Big Ten with Wisconsin. But, man, Chuba Hubbard's right there, right there with Jonathan Taylor right now, in my opinion. But I just have to give the edge to Jonathan Taylor for the type of career he has had and the type of season I think he still has in store for us. Because I don't think we've seen the best of him just yet. I don't think we have. No, 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 no. Next, we got the Benaric Award. And this is best defensive player in the country. And... um. I think it's simple for me. I know other people are taking their time on this one. And considering a few players from around the country, I think there's one man and one man only you can give this award to. And that is Mr. Chase Young from The Ohio State University. And I hate saying The Ohio State University because I hate that they tried to trademark that. But since it's not a trademark, I'm going to say The Ohio State University. (laughs) And that's Chase Young, like I said. Kid is just an animal. I mean, you watch him play; he is a game disruptor. There aren't very many players like him that have played college football recently. Just the way he, the way he looks, the way he acts in there, he's not normal. He's not a normal player. He is special beyond belief. He has eight and a half sacks already through the year. His career high is ten and a half. He's a half a sack off of the nation leader. I think he catches him by the end of the year. He only has 21 tackles, but he's a defensive end. That's not really his job, necessarily, to get the tackles. His job is to rush the passer and get to that passer. He has a handful of tackles for loss, all of those 21. So, I mean, this dude, forcing fumbles. He's going to have the opportunity, most likely, to play in the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, you can't deny this man the award, and I think... Every team in the NFL, every team in college football that has to play Ohio State going forward needs to specifically game plan for this man Chase Young because that is how good of a player he is at this point in time in his development. Next, we got the good old Maxwell Award, And this is what people tend to use as a precursor to... The Heisman Trophy. I am not one of those people. I don't think that if you win the Maxwell Award, you're, necess- you're necessarily going to win the Heisman because I think they're two separate awards. I think the Heisman is more of a tradition award, it should go to the best overall player. in in college football, while I think the Maxwell Award should go to the most valuable player in college football, and I know there's some of you out here that think I'm going to go for the greatest running back in the history of college football right now, but I ain't going to go that way. I'm going with a man over in the SEC. I'm going with a man that transferred from the Big Ten. I'm going with a man named Joey B, Joe Burrow, and he is my Maxwell Award winner through the midway point of the season. Why? Why? This dude is just an animal. I mean, it's not even even fair what he does out there. He has taken this LSU offense, which, like I said earlier, was not prolific, was not a big scoring team. They did not pass the ball like this, that's for sure. And he has turned them into the best offense in the country overnight, it seems like. And it is all his responsibility. I mean, yes, you can give some of that love to Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. But this dude, Joe Burrow, he's out there slinging that thing better than I thought Joe Burrow ever would be able to. And now receivers are great. Everything is great. And that's a great team. But you got to feel nice for this kid. you got to feel real good for what he has done for himself in terms of draft prospectus. You got a, I mean, award perspective. Sheesh, this guy wasn't on any awards, in my opinion, coming into the year. I didn't think he was going to come close to winning the Heisman. And, yeah, he is in the race. And, like I said, Heisman should go to the best overall player in the country. The Maxwell should go to the most valuable player in the country. And I think without Joe Burrow, this LSU offense would not be able to be where they are at right now. I think without him out there, this team is not the best offensive team in the country. I think he makes that much of a difference to them. That's why I'm giving Joey B, Joe Burrow, the Maxwell Award. And the final award I got for you here, or not the final award I got for you here, one of the final awards I got for you here before the Heisman is the Coach of the Year. And this one, this one will shock some of y'all. Now, I went through... Most of the coaches in the country and those who I thought were deserving of this award or who had put together very impressive years. And just to give you an idea of what I was going through, you know, I had Sonny Dykes, SMU was one of the guys on my list. Uh, You know, we obviously had Matt Rule over at Baylor, Paul Christ over at Wisconsin, and, you know, App State head coach Eli Drinkwitz. And these are all guys that are putting together ridiculous seasons with the teams that they have right now. And, I mean, Paul Christ has been a great head coach for a long time. And we are just seeing him start to get the respect that he deserves as a coach, I suppose. And Wisconsin's really getting to where they need to be right now because of him. And that's why I think Paul Chris should be right in the mix of this. And same thing goes for Sonny Dykes. I mean, damn, man, to revive a program like that, in this, I mean, they were dead for so long. And now they're right back in the middle of it. Possibly, possibly could win the American Conference this year, which is a conference that has belonged to UCF and Memphis for a long, long, long time. And SMU is in the thick of it, and they deservingly are getting the respect they deserve. And, I mean, App State, undefeated so far this year, top 25. They could go – they run the table the rest of the way, then I could 100% see Eli Drinkwitz in there. And for the same reasons I mentioned Sonny Dykes, that's why I have Matt Rule here. Baylor was a program with a lot of things going on and a lot of issues. When Matt Rule's come in and made this team undefeated to this point, he's gotten them playing at a ridiculous level and he's helped – revive this program to a to a big time point where now I I almost consider them, you know, in the, they're definitely in the hunt for the Big 12 championship, but hell, they can beat Oklahoma, man. They're in the college football playoff hunt as well. Now, none of those guys are my coach of the year. <laughs> my coach of the year is Brian Hawson with Boise State, and the reason is because you look at this team, yeah, they got an incredible defense. They went on the road to Florida State to start the year. And then they're playing in the Mountain West. Tough games. Not easy to win. Freshman quarterback. True freshman quarterback. True freshman running back. And this man is undefeated with this team so far through the season. That's an impressive job no matter what. No matter if the pundits were picking you coming into the year to be the Mountain West champion or not. That's an incredible job by a head coach that, I mean, sheesh, Hank Bachmeyer. did anybody think Hank Bachmeyer was going to be a really serious player in college football this year? I sure as crap didn't. He is. Did you really think Boise State was going to be 14th already in the country? I sure as hell didn't. This team could be in the top 10 by the end of the year. They could be playing in a New Year's Six bowl game once again. And I got to tip my cap to the man. That's why Brian Harrison's getting the coach of the year from Gridiron U. And now we're on to the Heisman where we'll leave that for later when we check in on the Heisman race. Because we don't give out a Heisman winner, man. Come on. You already know what it is. We gave out the Maxwell Award. But we'll check in on that Heisman race in a couple minutes. After, of course, we go through the teams that are still alive for the college football playoff. And I'm going to give them to you in tiers here. And I think you might be shocked by some of the teams I have in certain tiers. But the reason why I have them there is because I think they all still have something to prove. And they can show that they are in that tier. Now, first tier is the biggest one I got. I got Alabama, Ohio State. Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Penn State. And why have those teams? They are legit. Penn State proved it with that win at Iowa. I mean, Wisconsin proves it every week with Jim Leonard's ridiculous defense. I mean, this guy is a guru on the defensive side of the ball. And you can't say enough about how good they have been. Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, this is just another insanely talented team that is on their way to probably winning the Big 12 again. LSU proved it this weekend. They are one of the best in the country. They had an opportunity to drop. They won. They took care of business. Now they set themselves up for big games down the stretch where they can really prove that they maybe even are the number one team in the country. Clemson has the Smallest room for error of any team in this first tier here because they don't play anybody that they can make up a loss for. And I think if they get a loss, they're going to drop behind some teams even in the second tier here, maybe even into the third because they have no margin for error, even have, even with how good that team is and even with how much of a championship they're coming off last year. They just won't have the ability from this season to rebound a loss That's why they have the smallest margin for error of any team here. Ohio State, I think they're the best team in the country right now. They're playing like it. They look like it. Their defense is insane. And Justin Fields looks like every bit of a Heisman contender that they need to be in that college football playoff and to possibly even win it. And finally, we got Alabama in here. And Alabama has a lot (laughs) of room for error Um, I don't think they're even going to need it. I think their schedule is just perfect for them. The only tough game I think that they will have where they could. I can see them losing. I mean, obviously, you could see LSU beating them, but that's still difficult for me to actually visualize because they're playing in Tuscaloosa for that game, and that's just an impossible place to play, even if you are Joe Burrow and LSU. But. The only game I could truly see Bama losing would be to Auburn at the end of the year on the road. And that's why they're first tier right now. I mean, they're just that good. And they're going to get there. Like, that's just how I feel. I just feel like Alabama is 100% going to get there. I don't feel that way about Clemson at all. And we had them in a league of their own. Both of those teams coming into the year. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think Ohio State just jumped Clemson for that role. But, I don't have nothing left to say on the first tier. (laughs) Second tier, boys, we got Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, Auburn, and Oregon. And in this group, it's mainly just a bunch of one-loss teams that have difficult losses, but I think still have the ability with their schedules to work their way back into it. Now, Oregon is the most interesting of all these teams because... They're the only one, in my opinion, that has a legitimate shot at winning a conference championship. I don't think Auburn will be able to get there. I don't think Georgia will be able to get there. And I don't think Florida will be able to beat whoever they play in the SEC championship game, especially if it ends up being Alabama. But I think Oregon should be able to pull out the Pac-12. And if they get to 12-1 and and being a Pac-12 champion, with the way that this season may play out come the end, that might be just enough. To get them into the college football playoff. Now it's a long shot, but they might be there come the end of the year. Now, in the third tier, we got Utah, Boise State, Michigan, SMU, and Baylor. And I think out of this group, the most intriguing teams are Boise State, SMU, and Baylor. And now Boise State's interesting because I think they legitimately can run the table. And if they're able to run the table and teams, I mean, if there's chaos at the top, they could legitimately get themselves in the mix for the college football playoff. Same thing goes for SMU if they're able to do the same exact thing. The thing of holding those guys back, though, the fact they're not in a Power 5 conference. Now, if Baylor is able to finish the year undefeated, they, I would say, are a lock for the college football playoff. And with home games versus Oklahoma and Texas... There's a chance that if they're all they have to do is get through Oklahoma State this weekend and there's a decent chance they may even be able to pull out this entire season and go undefeated through the regular season, maybe even win the big twelve championship game They in a prediction right now and it ain't a spoiler, but that's something you got to keep your eye on because Baylor could be the biggest team to rise out of this group and they could even get themselves in that final four and I promised it. I promised it earlier, it's time for the Heisman watch. Number five, we got good old Justin Fields holding it down at the five spot. I couldn't put him over Jonathan Taylor this week just because Fields didn't play. Um, this week he's got a shot versus Northwestern, which is always a tricky team to play against. Gave Wisconsin fits earlier in the year. I know they got handled by some teams so far, but we'll see if if uh, Fields is able to go in there on a Friday night in a, probably a good environment and turn it up I'm gonna be putting him up pretty high number four we got Jonathan Taylor I mean this guy's just a beast right like (laughs) you can't you can't kill Jonathan Taylor at all I mean this was a tough game for him over the weekend he still got two touchdowns in the game and one for close to 100 yards so Michigan State did everything they could to try to stop him and they still couldn't stop him that's how good of a running back that Jonathan Taylor is and that's what I expect to see from him the rest of the season number three this is where it starts to get interesting I got Joe Burrow and now that might shock some people and it shocked myself when I wrote it down and I was like how can I have Joe Burrow third it's because of what the guys in front of him are doing I mean this is how good these three quarterbacks have been this year I got Joe Burrow third. I got Jalen Hurts bumping down to number two. And I got Tua Lo going up to number one. And I might regret putting Tua there, but Tua is going off at this point. He's starting to get into his groove. Alabama is playing much more meaningful games down the stretch. I mean, Jalen's going to have all the opportunity in the world to continue to build up his stats and do his thing out there. But I just think what Tua is doing right now, he needs to be the number one guy on this Heisman list. And he needs to start getting the respect that he deserves. And I think it starts with people recognizing him for the Heisman Trophy. And that's all I got to say for that one. But if you have those three guys in any order at all, I mean, you can't be wrong. Like, if if you told me Joe Burrow was your Heisman Trophy winner right now, I'd say, yep, 100%. If you told me Jalen was your... Heisman Trophy winner right now, I'd say 100%. If you told me Tua, I'd say 100%. You can't go wrong with any one of these guys with the season they're having. And that's something we can't say about past years. I know you could try to make that excuse for last season, but Haskins wasn't better than what Kyler Murray did. And honestly, Tua wasn't better than what Kyler Murray did either. Kyler did some special things out there. His completion rate, his yards, his rushing yards, his touchdowns were off the chart. This year... Jalen's doing great stuff, but he's a lot more catchable than Kyler was. We'll see how it plays out. But midseason, it appears that I would give the Heisman Trophy to Tua Tungvaloa. Oh, man. So that's it, right? Nah, right? Man, nah, nope. We got the CFP plus two. Real quick and for the one time, since we already went through the tiers, I don't need to explain this to you. It's simple mathematics. Number one seed, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes. I don't think they're losing a game the rest of the season. And I think they take that number one spot from Alabama by the end of the year. They will play. Number four, the Oklahoma Sooners. And Boomer Sooner, I think this team is able to get themselves in the college football playoffs on the back of the performances by Jalen Hurts. I mean, Kenneth Murray showed up. On Saturday on that defense, and I did not think Kenneth Murray was that good. But he is that good that he is changing that entire defense. And they got C.D. Lamb out there making unreal, unreal plays. I'm just watching this guy cutting all over the place and nobody can tackle him. It's insane to me. But he's doing it, so I got that as 1-4. And number two, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide who I think by the end of the year end up winning the SEC and are able to solidify themselves as the number, one te- number two team in the country, right behind Ohio State, even if they drop a game to Auburn or LSU during the season. I got them playing the number three Clemson Tigers because after it's all said and done, I think the Tigers go undefeated and they end up taking care of business in the ACC because Dabo makes sure he gets his things. He, you saw it this weekend. They won. Over Florida State, pretty convincingly, he changed that kicker out because he knew that guy wasn't the dude for the rest of the year. So hats off there. Clemson, they're going to get their thing done. 2-3, you got Bama Clemson getting their fifth matchup. (laughs) Have fun with that one. Number five, we got LSU, who just missed the playoff. And number six, we got the Oregon Ducks, quack, quack. I think they come close, but ain't no cigar for those boys at the end of the tunnel. And with all that being said, we've been having all a good time today on a money Monday. But I gotta wish y'all goodbye. And with that being said, there ain't nothing left to say. Except to tell y'all. Stay classy! Gridiron! You brought! <laughs> <laughs>